Blog Talk Radio. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio, this is Sports Beat a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listeners to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question, over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportsbeat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spooler. So hello, everybody. Welcome to another segment of Sportsbeat Radio Talking Sports for this Tuesday, the 21st day of February 2023. And thanks so much again for joining us on this segment. Today, we're talking about how... Uh, Pro sports mergers failed with the NFL and with some of the other uh, well-established leagues. Now, as you know, there are the major leagues of the NFL, which is now over 100 years old. It started back in 1920, the brainchild of Ralph Hay, who was a uh, Hupmobile dealer in Canton, Ohio, along with a very legendary coach, George Hallis, and together they put together this uh, semblance of teams that kind of wandered through the Midwest playing each other. Uh, Jim Thorpe was the commissioner. Uh, The NBA, of course, the uh, youngest of the four major sports starting uh, back in the 40s. And uh, then, of course, you have the NHL that has its glorious past, as well as Major League Baseball that's been uh, probably the longest tenured sport of all. And so, you know, it was interesting because – there have been a lot of competition toward these major leagues, NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL. And none of them have been able to acquire the tact to be able to meet those leagues head on. Now, we've seen a number of leagues, particularly in the NFL, and I think the NFL has taken probably the biggest uh, bite you know, when uh, you look at it as far as uh, teams and, and leagues that have challenged it, you know, when you, when you look at it. And, you know, it's interesting because way back in the, uh, I don't know, 40s, I guess it was, you had uh, a league that uh, the All-American Football Conference, which was the AAF, uh, was kind of in competition with the NFL. Now, this was a league that started, and Paul Brown, of course, who's one of the premier coaches, a record of something like 159 and 80, I believe it was. Uh, you know, uh, He won most of his championships in that uh, league that challenged the NFL. And so what happens? Well, the NFL gobbled it up in a merger, and some of those teams are still around today, the 49ers, the Cleveland Browns that uh, Paul Brown, uh, the team was actually named after, 
And then, of course, you had um, the Baltimore Colts and some of the other teams that uh, came to fruition. And then, uh, you know, the NFL was able to kind of shield itself from that competition. And so what happens? The 1960, the American Football League, the brainchild of Lamar Hunt, a wealthy, the son of a wealthy oil uh, executive, H.L. Hunt, he can't buy the Cardinals, and so he goes and starts a league of his own uh, with eight original charter member teams, uh, four in the uh, east and four in the west. And that particular league was the strongest of all the leagues. It was a league that really dominated, particularly in the second part of the uh, of its existence, of its 10-year existence. And I still think today that uh, that particular league would have been successful. Uh, and, of course, uh, what happened? Well, uh, people will say, well, you know, it, it wasn't successful because it got merged with the NFL. But actually, um, Lamar Hunt, the founder of the AFL, in his talks with Tex Stram of the Dallas Cowboys, who represented the NFL at the time, felt that there were uh, far more positives in being merged with the NFL than if the league stayed as the AFL. And I think the AFL was uh, a very innovative league. Uh, I know I grew up watching it. Uh, there's a lot of websites on uh, the computer that uh, dedicate themselves to it. And then, of course, there was expansion in the 70s, the World Football League. Now, Gary Davidson, he was a lawyer and businessman. He was the driving force behind the World Football League, and he helped start the American Basketball Association as well, the ABA, and the World Hockey Association. And some of those teams were around long enough to enter the established NBA and NHL. Uh, Unlike his two previous efforts, the World Football League did not bring any surviving teams to the National Football League. Now, this was a league that lasted Uh, This was in the early 70s. Teams like the California Sun, uh, the Hawaii Hawaiians, where um, Calvin Hill played. Those of you who remember the uh, Calvin Hill played for the Dallas Cowboys. There were quite a few players that came from uh, the NFL uh, into this merging league. And to its credit, it had a lot of good teams, as far as good games, I should say. Some of them were very close. Some of them went down to the wire. But it was not well organized. The franchises were given out, really, without a lot of research. Most of them couldn't make payroll. Um, It's an interesting thing. The Shreveport Steamer, who were uh, a team down in Louisiana, played in uh, the Independence Bowl. Uh, This was a team that was so financially in, in debt that the IRS actually confiscated their uniforms a few hours before they were to play a home game in the WFL. And so they pleaded with the IRS to at least allow them to wear the uniforms until they could uh, play the game. And the IRS countered by saying, we'll take a percentage of the gate as collateral. And uh, in those days, the World Football League really didn't get a lot of fans. It was well-hyped. And some of the teams played well, and some of the games, if you remember, were okay. But once again, uh, it fell to the wayside. Uh, financial problems, you know, it takes an awful lot to be able uh, to start a league. I mean, you have territorial rights that come in. 
uh, with other teams. You have this, you have that, you have uh, uh, rental of facilities and arenas and so forth. And uh, it's not an easy thing to start. And so the World Football League found themselves uh, really within about a year and maybe a half, a little over the, uh, half of the second year, uh, they found themselves uh, defunct. And then, of course, there was the uh, World – so the, the World Football League started in 1973. It was founded then. The inaugural season was 74. There were 13 teams. The last champion were the Birmingham Americans, and uh, it ceased in 1975. It was over by then. And so then, you know, you look at uh, the World Hockey League, and so this was a league that, uh, you know, most people thought might be able to, uh, you know, entertain composition with, the um, NHL, or I should say, uh, you know, competition. But the uh, World Hockey League, it was a little longer, of course, than the World Football League. In 1972 to 1979, it was the first major league to compete with the National Hockey League since the collapse of the Western Hockey League in 1926. Now, it's interesting because the Western Hockey League was really – more of a minor league, and uh, there were the original six teams in the NHL that uh, their owners were quite happy with the way it was. They didn't want to expand past Chicago. You know, you had Chicago and Detroit. You had Toronto and Montreal, and you had the Rangers and the um, Boston Bruins. The Bruins were the first American team to get a franchise. And they were happy with that. And then the Western Hockey League decided that they were going to expand, uh, that they were going to do this and that. Uh, CBS wanted a contract uh, of a team uh, in Los Angeles. And so the founding fathers, the owners, got together and said, well, we better get going. And so in 67, the National Hockey League expanded to 12 teams. And those new teams were the Flyers, the Penguins, in Pennsylvania, and you had the St. Louis Blues, the Minnesota North Stars, you had the uh, Los Angeles Kings, and the only team really to be defunct in professional sports in a long time, and that was the Oakland Seals, who uh, didn't last too long. And uh, they ended up going to Cleveland. Uh, the Cleveland Coliseum was way out in the boondocks. People didn't come, and they folded. But the World Hockey League was a league uh, that, as I said, operated – for about eight years, and uh, you know, when you looked at it again, it was uh, Gary uh, Danielson who was the kind of the founder of it. Uh, you had the New England Whalers. The, the, right from the start, the league was plagued with problems. Many of the teams often found themselves in financial difficulty, folding or moving from one city to the next. They had arena trouble. Uh, two of the original 12 teams, the Dayton Arrows and the San Francisco Sharks, they relocated before the first season began. They became the Houston Arrows, and if you wonder about that, that was where uh, the Howes played. Gordy Howe and his sons played played there, and that gave that city respectability. And the Quebec Nordiques, uh, respectively, the Calgary Broncos and the Miami Screaming Eagles, they folded outright before the first puck drop, being replaced by the Philadelphia Blazers, and that's a team that uh, Bernie Perrant, the great uh, Stanley Cup uh, goaltender for the Flyers, 
would go to, and the Cleveland Crusaders. So it was a, t- a league that, uh, you know, basically uh, they were able to play uh, or able to obtain players from the National Hockey League, much like the World Football League uh, did. And uh, this was a league that uh, tried to dent the National Hockey League, but didn't quite get there. And so that is another team uh, league, rather, that failed in its uh, efforts to be able to compete with the National Hockey League. Then, of course, you had the United States Football League. And, of course, now we're having a rebirth of that some 40 years later. Uh, The USFL, as it's called, uh, came about in the uh, early 80s. It was... uh, a league that uh, was well thought out. The teams were researched. Uh, There was a lot of uh, good owners, including our former president, Donald Trump, who owned the New Jersey Generals. He had Herschel Walker run the ball for him, along with Doug Flutie, playing at Old Giants Stadium. Uh, You know, you had the L.A. Express with Steve Young, who would become uh, a quarterback, of course, of great uh, merit with the San Francisco 49ers. And it was a league that uh, got TV contract, ABC, and the great Keith Jackson would do the games. And they had their uh, bowl that they that they would, uh, the Michigan Panthers were another team that, you know, was in there. And, and so the league was from 83 to 85. There were 18 teams. It was founded in 82, and it it took off basically in 83. It ceased in 86, and the last champions were the Baltimore Stars, who who actually started as the Philadelphia Stars. uh, There was a lot of teams that moved around, which is not unheard of in new leagues. The Boston Breakers uh, started there in in Boston, and then they went to uh, New Orleans, and then they went to Portland, And, you know, it takes a few years for new leagues to really iron itself out, but the ratings for the USFL were not bad because they were able to uh, ascertain a lot of quality players uh, from the NFL and from the draft who uh, decided to sign with the USFL instead of uh, the uh, NFL. And so things were going, you know, pretty well. They were uh, going to have their draft, uh, and then – Uh, It was interesting because Donald Trump, the owner of the uh, New Jersey Generals, decided that he would get the owners together and sue the National Football League for um, being a single entity, like a monopoly. And he felt that we should be able to play in the fall. The NFL has too much power. He convinced all of the owners in the United States Football League to draw up the suit. The suit by USFL attorneys was uh, procured, and what happens, the NFL uh, decides that uh, they are going to go to court, and the USFL loses. I believe they got a dollar out of it, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it was a moot point for Donald Trump because that bankrupted the league, basically, and that was the end of the United States football league and it was a much better league as far as um you know the people in it the people who were promoting it the businessmen who uh, owned the teams uh it probably was on the level of the american football league 
And then, of course, uh, it leaves, and then you come back some 40 years later, and what happens uh, last year? The United States Football League comes back, not with all the teams that they originally had, uh, and now they'll be starting in April trying to dent yet another uh, area of the National Football League. And then, of course, you had the XFL. And the XFL, an interesting uh, league in itself, uh, a lot of these leagues now are innovative. And, you know, it's interesting because the owners, the old Turks, as they call them, the actual long-time owners, the Bidwells have owned the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the Chicago Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, they're all the same team. They've owned them uh, from the beginning, you know, um, Bud Adams had owned the Adams family, uh, no pun intended. Uh, they owned the Houston Oilers and they still do, who are now the Tennessee Titans. And so a lot of these owners, uh, you know, looked at these leagues as what they called rogue leagues. That's what most of the NFL owners called the American Football League, a rogue league, a league that is trying to infringe on us. So now the USFL comes back after a 40-something year absence into the second year. The ratings weren't too bad. They do have a TV contract. And the question is, does spring football work? Now, the XFL started way back in uh, 2000, and they had all the accolades, and NBC was there, and Bob Costas at the time, who was really the head guy at NBC, was promoting it and everything, and never got off the ground. And then we saw it come back uh, a few years ago, pre-COVID. There were some very good games, in the XFL, uh, it's realigned, and what happens? COVID rears its head, and of course, the XFL now has to uh, had to stop. And now they have come back this year uh, with their first weekend. You know, one of the things that bothers me about uh, people's attitudes is that you have. And I'm, a, I'm not going to mention the the people or the station, but there's a major station in New York. Uh, it's a sports radio station. And there's a few uh, characters on there who put the XFL down, you know, that they, it's this and it's a, you know, it's a pony league and it's this and it's that, and I'm not going to watch it. And, uh, you know, I was turning the channels and I saw it and then I turned on golf and, you know, just ranting and raving about it. And yet at the end they said they didn't watch any of it. And it, the two games that were on, the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks and the San Antonio Brahmas, it was a great game. The Battlehawks of St. Louis couldn't do anything. It was uh, They only had three points. In the last ten minutes of the game, they scored 15 points. Now, they do have uh, different rules in the XFL. If you're at the ten-yard line, you can go for a three-point conversion. You can go for a two-point conversion, or you can kick the field goal. And they actually came back in great style and won the game. It was a very exciting game. And the game uh, that evening... Uh, was uh, the Seattle Sea Dragons, and uh, th- that was a pretty good game. wasn't as good as the uh, Battle Hawks, but it always amazes me that people put down things and they didn't even watch the, the game. How can you put down something if you don't know what the hell you're watching? It's always amazing to me. I mean, these guys, you know, running their mouth off about a league that uh, they don't think people should watch or they don't like, yet they didn't watch it. And that's okay if you didn't watch it. And I don't know that spring football is going to work. And it does usually well in the beginning. Now, this, uh, the XFL, uh, as they restarted this year again with uh, Dwayne Johnson as the owner, 
of the league. I think he paid 15 or 18 million for the league from Vince McMahon, the uh, wrestling mogul. And you know, he starts this 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 league and I think most people the ratings are pretty good because of late winter ratings, you know, I mean people are still kind of in their houses although this has been one of the warmest uh winters on record. When you look at it, you know, is it something that does well as the weather breaks. I don't know that as many people are watching when the weather breaks in, let's say, the end of March or whatever, because people want to get outside, they're starting to do things, which is what they did during COVID when a lot of the sports stopped. You know, we found out that we could live without sports. And some people who were avid sports fans actually were turned off when it came back and didn't watch it as much. Some people don't watch it at all. I know former players that don't watch it. So the XFL back, uh, the problem, of course, is that with these what they call rogue leagues is they don't really have a lot of named players. Now, the USFL did, the old World Football League did, because a lot of the players who weren't making as much, there wasn't as much of a salary then as there are now, although the players were still doing very well for the times, um, they wanted to make a quick buck, and they wouldn't would go into uh, other these other leagues, and many of them didn't get paid. So the XFL, the USFL, um, the old uh, American Football League way back in the 40s, and the actual American Football League of Lamar Hunt's uh, Kansas City Chiefs slash Dallas Texans, all failed in a sense because they were gobbled up by uh, the parent established league of the National Football League, which makes about $11 billion a year. It's the richest league in the, in the uh, world. And it's interesting because when it started back in the 20s, it was anything but rich. It's amazing it got off its, uh, off its heels. Lots of financial disasters. Of, of all the original teams back in 1920, there's only two left, and that's the Cardinals and the uh, Bears. And then you look at baseball, which is really the signature sport as far as uh, history. It goes way, way back uh, before 1900. I believe the first uh, World Series was 1903. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, believe it or not, were there. Um, and they've played a World Series ever since. Before that, there were just champions based on whether they finished first place or not. And baseball is really kind of the only sport that has not been uh, – competed against. Uh, there have been some rumblings that uh, leagues will start. There have been some uh, smaller leagues that didn't make their way. But because of baseball, I think the tenure of it as far as how long it lasts. You know, we're talking now, now pitchers and catchers are already in Florida. Uh, the Grapefruit League is going to be starting next week. I believe the first game is going to be the very end of March. And because of its length and, and you know, its geographical locations, there's a lot of teams just about everywhere in the United States and even Canada with the uh, Blue Jays. I don't know that a so-called rogue league could make any kind of dent toward baseball. And baseball itself, anyway, is facing a lot of problems. Uh, you know, people are not watching it. Uh, millennials are not watching it. A lot of the older... Uh, old Turks that are watching the game after after 60 year old are not satisfied with the changes, you know the bags being bigger and 
talking about having an automated umpire and putting people on base in the extra innings, uh, you know, uh, pitch clock. Uh, how much can you bastardize a game? So I don't know that, you know, the situation will ever change with baseball. And, of course, then you had the ABA uh, coming up, Gary Danielson again, the founder of the uh, World Hockey League, the attorney, sports fan, decides that uh, he's going to have this league. And, uh, you know, it was a different league, and the NBA adapted many of its rules, particularly the three-point play, which has changed the game. I think it's been changed really for the negative because there's no defense, there's no real set plays anymore. It's all get out there and shoot as many uh, threes as you can. Of course, they use the red, white, and blue basketball. But a lot of those teams had had given away tickets, just like the World Football League. The Philadelphia Bell, which was part of the World Football League, said that they had sold 130,000 tickets. And then when they did an investigation, they found out that three-quarters of the tickets were actually either reduced substantially or given away. And that was the, really the case with a lot of the, team, the leagues like uh, the WFL, and the ABA, and the ABA had great uh, history, great players. You know, we saw George McGinnis and Artis Gilmore. You know, we saw Rick Barry, uh, you know, playing for the Cougars, the Carolina Cougars, I believe they were called. Uh, we saw, uh, you know, Julius Irving. We saw a lot of great stars, and I think of all the uh, rogue leagues, so to speak, I, I hate to use that word, but that's what they call them, uh, these leagues that come in and try to overpower or compete with the competitive leagues of of, uh, of history. Uh, I think the ABA probably was the best of the bunch, and it still has a lot of fans. And, uh, of course, when it ended, uh, a lot of the uh, rules and regulations of the uh, ABA were uh, put in forth with the NBA. And then, of course, they had teams. Uh, they picked four teams with the best record. And that was the Nuggets, uh, the Nets, you had the uh, San Antonio Spurs, and the Indiana Pacers were the four teams. The Kentucky Colonels tried to sue the league because they felt that they should be there, but the rule was stated by the commissioner in NBA that we will only take the four best teams that, uh, of attendance because the NBA wanted to make sure that they could fill the arenas, of course. They're always thinking about money. The Kentucky Colonels probably would have been a good addition And so I think of all the teams, uh, the leagues, uh, these rogue leagues that came in, I think the ABA probably, even though it wasn't financially successful, probably was uh, the most successful in trying to put a dent in the NBA. And now, of course, the NBA, which was not popular really in the early 60s, it didn't really gain great popularity until probably the late 60s at the earliest, uh, when Will Chamberlain scored his 100 points in Hershey, which is coming up, I believe, to the almost the 70th anniversary back in March 2nd coming up 1962 there's only uh, a little over 4,000 people there now it was at the Hershey Arena which doesn't hold that many but still to see Will Chamberlain who was the one of the premier players if not one of the greatest players or could be the greatest player of all time and so they had trouble attracting in the in the beginning but now of course it's a universal game and the NBA makes an awful lot of money so, you know, that's kind of a look at uh, the situation with these leagues that, uh, you know, have come about. And, you know, when you look at it, uh, none of them, it's, it's always interesting, none of them have actually 
been to a point where they have been successful. You know, the uh, early American League with uh, teams like Cleveland and Baltimore and San Francisco under the tutelage of the great coach Paul Brown merged. The American Football League of 1960 merged. The World Football League went out of business. The USFL uh, went out of business. Uh, The World Hockey League uh, merged. The Winnipeg Jets, uh, the Nordiques, some of those teams, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, I believe, are part of that merger from the World Hockey League to the NHL. You know, it's an interesting situation when you look at it as to uh, when will there ever be a league that will be able to compete with these leagues of history. Maybe that won't happen. Maybe they're just so powerful and so wealthy that uh, and people have great allegiance to them that uh, we'll never probably see it. But anyway, that's a look at it. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio, talking uh, today about how pro-mergers failed with the NFL, NHL, NBA, and, and Major League Baseball. Hope that it uh, brought you some uh, areas of education and interest. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions at Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody. Be safe. Thanks for joining us. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.